Alright, what is going on everyone? We are back, Christopher Case and Cameron Smith for another NBA podcast. And Chris, it's always good to be back with you to knock another podcast out for a lot of our fans that are out there that love to listen to us, man. And we're just going to uh, discuss a few topics and we're going to start, not in the NBA, but we're going to start at the high school level because the 36th annual McDonald's All-American Games took place this past week in Chicago. Um, a lot of stars, a lot of future NBA stars, and a lot of people felt that this class of 2013 is really going to be uh, the, the class that kind of carries the, the mantle in, in coming years for, for the future of basketball. We talked about Andrew Wiggins from Canada, uh, highly sought after player, number one player in the class of 2013. Jabari Parker, Chicago's own legendary high school career, man. I think he'll go down as the greatest high school basketball player in Illinois history. So I, and if you want to argue with me about that, then you know you know my Twitter handle, so you can <laughs> argue with me about that. Uh, Aaron Gordon from uh, San Jose, California, who's, who's going to Arizona, he just announced that during the uh, media day event for the McDonald's All-Americans and it actually won the MVP for the game the other day and uh, Julius Randle who's going to Kentucky, one of the six Kentucky Wildcats going there next year so Calipari reloading but uh, just being there and seeing those guys compete in practice and throughout the events man those guys really can play some ball, man. And it's going to be something special between Randall and Gordon and Jabari Parker and Andrew Wiggins. Those four guys really set themselves apart, in my eyes, during the media sessions uh, and also during the uh, closed practices that was only open to the media. You saw those guys competing and do really dominating their size. And Parker and Gordon played for the West team, and they played on one side of the court. And Randall and Wiggins played on the East team. They played on the opposite side of the court. So those two, those four players just dominated their size and just really set themselves apart in the game and, and I want to get your thoughts on, on what you think about those players and, and what you saw in the game as well. I mean well the kid Wiggins I mean definitely you've it, it almost seems like he's come out of nowhere just mm -hmm. in the last you know two and a half years because you know there was all this you always known about Jabari right I mean there's been a lot of stuff about Goodwin but I mean you know just six eight jump out the gym yeah has a probably the most beautiful shot I've ever seen a kid at high school have because mm -hmm. it gets great elevation on it right. and he knows how to get his shot off. I mean, he has a number of different moves that he can go to. Um, just some of the stuff that I've seen in the McDonald's, you know, you really can't base or grade them off the McDonald's All-Star Games because it's more of a showcase of talent than it is, you know, an actual, you know, serious competition. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just looking at the physical tools uh, that these players have, it almost makes you jealous, you know, especially when we're coming up. <laughs> you know, what was it, what's in the water now right, that, right, you know, right. it wasn't back then? But, you know, Jabari, you know, going to Duke, you know, Goodwin, I mean, it's a good pickup uh, for Arizona, but, you know, just the athleticism of these kids now and mm -hmm. you know the stuff they attempt right you know right, just right. on breakaways right. and stuff is just amazing now and i want to ask you about some of the closed practices what do you, what stood out mostly about wiggins i mean i've seen jabari you know throughout you know the last three years last four years sorry about that but what stood out to you about wiggins because he's he's a guy who's still undecided mm -hmm. as of right now and what do you think you where do you see him going well, with Wiggins on, on Monday's practice session, uh, he, in my eyes, he's a silent assassin. He's not a kid that will go out and, and talk a lot or just be boisterous or, you know, kind of really just 
you know, just assert himself so aggressively that you're like, man, this dude is really dominant. But what he does is he picks his spot. And one thing in particular that stood out to me, they had a, a progression drill, um, and and and, and with, the, with the with the scrimmage that they had for the East team, they will build up to a five on five. So they will start out with the player shooting the free throw. Two players from the opposite team will be at the free throw line, and then they will go on a two on one. Then they will eventually come come to a five on five as more players get into the into the uh, drill. But in two minutes, Wiggins scored eight points, knocked down two threes on the right side, and then got a dunk. So, I mean, just his explosiveness um, offensively in terms of, like you mentioned, his elevation on his jump shot and his ability to get to the rim. Now, he's quick. Yeah. He's really quick, and a lot of people really don't understand that. I think Jabari and, and people that saw him play in the game saw how quick and, and, and accurate he is with his moves, and especially when he spins. And, uh, just he, he he he's basically the most athletic player that we've seen in a long time. Yeah. And, I, and I'll say like I'll say the, probably since LeBron James. Yeah. I'll say that and I can say that with confidence because we haven't seen a kid that can bounce off of the floor so quickly like Wiggins can in, in, in a long time. And I think he's going to be uh, the number one pick in 2014, depending on how his freshman yeah. season goes, wherever he goes. Yeah. So. We'll see. I mean, who do you think has the leg up? I mean, because like you said, with his personality, he's a little mm -hmm. bit silent. So, you know, not the kind of kid that would, you would think that would go to like a Kentucky right. or something. Or And he's not the kind of guy that would, you know, probably not go to a program mm -hmm. where he's just the number one option. He would probably want, you know, some other players around him. Right. But, what do you think? Do you think that impacts where he goes? Uh, well, I, I, if I'm Andrew Wiggins, I scratch Kentucky, Kentucky off my list because they have six McDonald's All-Americans there. Definitely. I think they have about four or five coming back next season. Um, so if these guys are looking at the bigger picture, they want to go to the NBA, and they have to look at situations where, okay, what program or what coach will best prepare me for the NBA? Now, we know Calipari done a tremendous job of converting freshmen into number one draft picks or lottery picks, but with that situation in Kentucky, there's just too many bodies there. It's not enough basketballs to go around. So if I'm, if I'm Andrew Wiggins, and what I think he's going to do is, I think he'll probably head to Florida State, and a lot of people don't understand that, you know, he has a lot of ties to Florida State. His father, Mitchell, yeah. who's a former NBA player, played at Florida State and actually his childhood friend Xavier Raton Mays um, committed to Florida State and Mays' father played at Florida State with Wiggins' father. Oh. So those two played at Florida State down together. Great fan, great uh, uh, friends and really close, basically family, you could say that. So I think that Wiggins will choose Florida State to play his basketball because there in that situation, he'll be the man. Leonard, Leonard Hamilton has done a good job of turning that program around. He'll get the recognition that he'll deserve because he'll be playing in the ACC against the Dukes, the North Carolinas, and also the new, the Syracuse and the Pittsburghs, all those yeah. players. And kind of continue that rivalry that he's kind of really building between he and Jabari Parker. Now, they might not look at it as a rivalry, <laughs> but us in the media are trying to build it up as that. Those two guys are great fans, so, I mean, they have a lot of respect for each other. But if I'm Wiggins, it, it has to be Florida State, and I think that's where he's going to go. Definitely. I mean, I'm also, you know, impressed with Jabari. Didn't really stand out too much individually. Right. I mean, but if you look at the stat, I mean, a complete game. And uh, one of the things that always impressed me about him is just, you know, just his attitude towards yeah. everything. I mean, you know, just throughout the weekend and stuff I say mm -hmm. the dub contest I mean some of the stuff that I've seen in practice mm -hmm. I mean he like you said almost a silent assassin where you know a guy he feels he doesn't really have to go out there and you know it just speaks about where he's come from the mm -hmm. program at Simeon he's just one of those guys who 
you know, you can kind of sleep on, but yeah. then you look up at the end of the game, oh, 22 points, eight rebounds, six mm-hmm. assists, things like that. I think he's going to be very good at Duke. Yeah, he feels the stat sheet up in the game uh, on uh, Wednesday. He was definitely going out trying to get the MVP. You could tell yeah. that. I mean, just his shots wasn't uh, wasn't falling to his liking, but uh, 10 points, I believe eight rebounds, two steals, two blocks, a few assists. So, I mean, he feels up the stat sheet. And if you look at the stats versus Andrew Wiggins, if you want to do a one-on-one comparison, in my eyes, Parker beat Wiggins in that game because he did more in the stat sheet, filling yeah. up so many columns. And Wiggins had, I believe, finished, finished with 19 points. Um, Maybe close to a double-double and double-digit rebounds, but Jabari filled up the stat sheet. And this is a young man that, I mean, I've been around for the majority of this year just following and interviewing and doing specials on him. And I'm just so uh, impressed with his media savvy and how he handles himself with all the media and all the attention that he gets. Never seen him, you know, lash out in the media or anything like that. And remember, these are high school kids. So, I mean, they're not mature enough to kind of understand you know how to handle themselves in, in, in certain media circles, but I mean Jabari does a great job. Comes from a great family, and he's going to be a special player at Duke. And Jay Williams even said he's going to bring the number 22 out of retirement, so oh, Parker wow. can wear it at Duke. So that's saying a lot. That is if Jay Williams going to do that, but um, Jabari is a guy that, that is going to work on this game, and I think we're going to see a different player when he gets to Duke Definitely. University because he's going to use that summertime uh, at Duke in, in Durham, North Carolina, to really hone hone on his skill skills and, and get better. Because remember last summer he broke his foot Definitely. so he had to sit out the majority of the summer and if you're a basketball player and going into the mindset of these guys they want to you know go back and work hard and get back in the gym and get themselves better because I mean the bird is kind of still out on his college career I mean he's done so much high school he's really accomplished that master master that level but now people want to see what, he, what he's going to do you know at the next level with coach K definitely uh, I've had this argument with a few people where do you what does he pan out to be? You know, let's look five years from now, and even you know, quite possibly ten years down the mm-hmm. road. What do you think he pans out as far as the next level? Well, I think with his work ethic, man, I think he'll definitely be five years from now. He'll be in the NBA, of course. I mean, that's, that, I mean, that's a given. He's going to be in the NBA. He just has the talent, let alone uh, 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 the mentality to, to be an NBA player. So he could be in the NBA right now, actually. Uh, five years. I can say that he'll he'll be either the number one or number two option on an NBA basketball team. All-star, I think I can see that uh, just because of his work ethic and how determined this kid is to be the best. I mean, this is a young man that really, you know, compares and, and looks at other players for inspiration to see where his game is. And I think he'll be an NBA all-star. Definitely. Now the kid, Wiggins. Well, all-star. <laughs> I mean, it's all-star. I mean, it's, 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 I mean it, this is a young man that's, that's relying on his athleticism. I mean, yeah. he has a little skill with his jump shot. He's uh, very deadly from 15 feet in. He's going to need to expand on the uh, on his on the shot from the perimeter more from behind the three point arc. But um, you, he doesn't do things that really wow you in terms of ball handling or shooting. It's his athleticism that really wow you, and people really love that about him. Now, defensively, he can get after it, but yeah. once he hones on on his skills and works on his ball handling and shooting more and his dribble penetration more, he's going to be unstoppable. You know, we talked about the kid. Good one. It's kind of, at, if you're looking at the next level, mm-hmm. it'll kind of be, you know, in the mold of a 3-4, which is not a bad thing, right. you know, as it used to be because with a lot of teams now playing small, you know, you could throw right. him in as a stretch four, you know, in some lineups, he can also be a five. Right. Where do you see him projecting out to be? Because, you know, with 
me looking at him, his skill set, and just looking back, you know, a couple years, you know, he's kind of along that Michael Beasley, right. um, you know, it's kind of fits in that mode. But where do you see him? Well, I mean, Gordon is a, is a guy that, that can really handle the basketball, and we saw in Wednesday's game he can get to the rim against anybody. I mean, it's just it, that was proven in. Julius Randle was guarding him the majority yeah. of the game when those two units were in facing each other. Um, I can see him as a three or a stretch four at Arizona next year. And what I like about Aaron Gordon is that he's so confident, man. I sat down with him in a one-on-one -on -one interview and just you can just hear the confidence in his voice when, when talking about going to Arizona and people were questioning why he went there when they had so many bigs at that at that university with head coach Sean Miller. But this is a young man that wants to challenge himself. He knows that he has to go and prepare himself for the NBA. And these kids like a Gordon, Randall, Parker, Wiggins know that the NBA is the ultimate goal. And the next step is to challenge themselves and prepare themselves as much as they can for the NBA. So he could be the three, the four at Arizona, and I think he'll find success there. Uh, he'll be in the NBA. I, I mean, with those guys, they separate themselves from the rest of so many players, especially McDonald's All-Americans. You can just see it. I mean, you're instantly just taken by how good they are. Uh, so I, the future is bright for Aaron Gordon. And just moving away, like we all see the talent that's out there on the floor. Mm -hmm. What stands out to you most about these kids and being able to sit down with them one-on-one, -on -one, you know, get to know them mm -hmm. a little bit? What stands out the most about, you know, their personalities? Because as you say, the ultimate goal is the NBA, but, you know, not everybody there, mm -hmm. you know, it's not a possibility for everybody there. You know, right. some kids have to, you know, go go overseas. Right. Some of them may make their uh, way into the league a little bit later. But as far as mindset goes, what stands out to you about all the kids that you got a chance to sit down with? Well, I say patience, man, because they went through so many interviews that yeah. day on Media Day Tuesday at the United Center. So <laughs> uh, just every time I sat down with uh, Aaron Gordon or Andrew Wiggins, they just would look exhausted yeah. with all of the interviews. So I'm saying that was the one thing that really impressed me. But the, also the other thing um, is also their media savvy, man. They're so... Uh, uh you know, fine-tuned in terms of how they answer questions and, and their attentiveness to questions and they, they do a great job of just giving you a lot of information in terms of uh, their mindset and, and who helped them get to where they're, they're uh, at, 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 at this point in time. So um, I would think, say the media savvy and, and, and their patience is really something that really stood out to me that day, not in terms of on the court, uh, just with those four guys. Uh, and, and some of the other guys I saw as well, so the athleticism, you can just tell the, the new breed of athlete that's coming up nowadays with this new class because it's so they're so athletic. Their basketball IQ, is, basketball IQ is very high. That's why we saw a good game this past Wednesday because they flow so well. Exactly. They just know how to work within pick and roll offenses as well as defensively. We saw guys just getting up on the ball. And they play basically an NBA style of game. I mean, even though a lot of people say that the NBA is less physical, but you can't do as much hand checking. But we saw those guys kind of playing the NBA style with, in terms of defensively how they played against each other and offensive sets that they ran. So um, their their games are catered to the NBA. I mean, college just kind of I think that that step where they just have to kind of fine tune some things yeah. for the pros. Definitely. And, you know, just moving on from high school, uh, you know, we got to talk about it. Something uh, because it's been in the news the last week, you know, the Kevin Ware injury. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Disgusting, man. <laughs> just, I'll just say that, man, for lack of better words. Uh, uh, just one of the most gruesome injuries I've ever seen. And, and Chris, we said you were talking about this before we even got on the podcast. You say you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So I know that you don't want to see it. No. I, I, I advise you not 
to look at it. But uh, uh, it's just heartbreaking to see that young man who was having a good season at Louisville and, and under Rick Pitino and really had a good game up until that injury. So uh, just to see him go down, but to see him uh, not focus on the pain, but focus on his teammates and telling those guys to, to get the win because he wants them to, to further their careers because he understands as well this is a stepping stone for those guys yeah. to get to the NBA. And the further you advance in the tournament, the more the scouts are going to come out, the more you know you're going to be projected at a higher pick for the NBA draft if those guys do decide that. But uh, we've seen the interviews with him uh, the past couple of days, and you know he's a strong will, yeah, strong will, man. Strong you can tell that he comes from a great family, and he understands the, the bigger picture. So he he's determined that he wants to come back. But what do you what are your thoughts on it? I mean, you know, aside from you know just hearing the gruesomeness of mm-hmm. it like you said his will stood out to me yeah I mean the fact that coach Patino pulled all his guys around him and just you know listen to what he's saying uh-huh. you know saying I'm going to be fine just win the game right just win the game and we all seen what happened in that second half I mean Louisville there was nothing do could do it was right. almost destiny that Louisville was going to go ahead yeah and win that game I mean and you look at you know, all of them that happened right in front of that bench to come back to put that in the back of their heads. You, we've all, you know, been in open runs and we've seen like a bad knee injury, a yeah. bad ankle sprain, and mentally it affects you know your aggressiveness and going to the hole right. because now it's in the back of your head. I mean, so for them to pull it together and go out there and get that win from you, seen uh, forgot the player's name with his jersey at the end, mm-hmm. and just looking at all the interviews afterwards. I know he sat down with uh, Good Morning America. He also sat down with ESPN and even was on the Letterman show last night, you know, making light of the situation. Uh-huh. I mean, so the kid is, you know, just, like you said, strong-willed. Uh-huh. I mean, you look at the ways that could have went, right. you know, it could have went, you know, the opposite way for Louisville easily, mm-hmm. and you could, there was, there would have been no one who would have been able to criticize them for, you know, going out there and putting up a stinker in the second half. Mm -hmm. And then as far as, you know, where it goes, you look at his mentality towards it could have went the other way and nobody, you know, would have been able to say anything. He could have been depressed, could have been down because, you know, as strong-willed as he is, this is a very serious injury, Mm -hmm. almost career-threatening, you know, and you just hope, you, you look at his will, his mindset in the interviews, and, you know, he's just one of these people, and it just gives you the belief that, He's going to bounce back from this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what stood out to me more so than anything. All right, man. And definitely prayers out to Kevin Wood yeah. and his family and hopefully for a speedy recovery. But we know it's going to be lengthy. And I think he understands that. Yeah. Everyone understands that. But we would love to try and see him come back onto the court and kind of, you know, re- resemble the player that he was before the injury. So yeah. we'll definitely see what's going to happen with that. Uh, now let's go to the association, man, the NBA. And Shaquille O'Neal getting his jersey retired by the Los Angeles Lakers this past weekend. Uh, Shaq is a guy that is, is serious at times, but also can be a jokester. And uh, we saw that during the ceremony at halftime of the Lakers game. Uh, but what are your thoughts on just Shaq's career and what he's meant to the game of basketball in the NBA? I mean, just growing up and watching him. I remember the first game that I saw him, I was like, man, like there's no – I mean, he changed – you can you couldn't officiate against this guy right. because you know on either ends mm-hmm. you know it's just a physical specimen. I mean he's along that physical mold of guys like you know Wilt back in his day, Carl Malone, Dwight Howard now, LeBron James. Like how do you officiate you know against these guys? And you just look at the touch, how agile he was at that size. I mean you know great career. The thing that 
always thought, you know, was Shaq's detriment is the fact that, you know, he had that size, you know, so he all, he, you know, if you're that big, you know, you're that good, you kind of don't put in, you know, as much right. as you could. And that's what always stood out to me as Shaq, for as good as he was, he could have been a lot better, right. you know, if he, right. you know, if there was more focus on conditioning, mm -hmm. things like that. But but who am I to judge? I mean, still a great <laughs> career. Right. Four championships, went, uh, four championship rings, I mean, eight great seasons mm -hmm. in Los Angeles. I mean, you can't really say nothing to take away from him. And then if you look at the off-the-court stuff, I mean, this is a guy who, for the longest I heard, that he hadn't yet cashed an NBA check. He was still living off, you know, just his endorsements. Yeah. And if you go down the list of his endorsements, I mean, they're, they're long. I mean, right, yeah. he's probably still getting Nestle Crunch money, right. you know, <laughs> for all we know. I mean, you know, so this guy just, he set a precedent, you know, not only for players to look at on the court, but just the way he handled himself off the court. Yeah. We all talk about how goofy he is, but mm -hmm. that led to movies. Right. Rap albums. Right, I mean, yeah, this guy yeah. did it, did it all, and he did it his way. That's the the main thing you can when you sum up his career. That's the main thing you can look at. He yeah. did it his way. I right. mean, you know, the beef with Kobe, yeah. the the stuff without not being, you know, in the best uh, physical condition. I mean, you look at if Shaq would have stayed in, you know, that body frame he had. I think believe, you know, his first three years with the Lakers and if he would have maintained that, just yeah. how much more impressive, you know, his numbers could have been, how right. much how many more championships he could have. Right. Him and, you know, if the beef with Kobe didn't happen. Mm -hmm. We could be talking about Shaq is having seven, eight rings yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah. So I mean but still, like I said, you can't take away anything from his career. Great career, what, 19, 19, 18, mm -hmm. 19 seasons? I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, man, Shaq is going to go down as one of the greatest uh, big man ever, players ever. But like you said, if, if he would have just kind of had more, I guess, focus <laughs> in training or trying to, you know, stay in shape or, you know, just coming into the season prepared, then he definitely could have been talking about more more rings. But I mean, still, I mean, regardless of that, and and Shaq had a great career, like, like we both said. So it could have been just that much better. And I think that's the biggest knock on Shaq that a lot of people feel is that, man, if you just would have focused a little bit more on basketball instead of making movies and all that. <laughs> He would have been good, but I mean, in Shaq, Shaq's eyes, I mean, you can't say anything to him because yeah. he's been successful off the court as well. So if you look at it, Shaq, it's just okay. Well, I mean, I got this body, I'm dominating, so why not? You know, take some time off in the summer and give me some more money and yeah. help myself out exactly. and further my career. But I think a lot of people really don't give Shaq credit in terms of what he does off the court because we talked about Michael Jordan all the time, what he does with his endorsements, but mm -hmm. people really, really talk about Shaquille O'Neal, and he was kind of like really that next guy after Mike to get those endorsements and start movies and do a rap album. Nobody was really kind of doing that in the NBA to put out a rap album. And Shaq really, you know, sold some units too yeah, <laughs> on that yeah. rap album too. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, he's a guy that kind of just really dabbled in a lot of different things and was successful in it. And uh, his biggest thing it was basketball and just so dominant, man. I, I don't think that we will we'll ever see a player uh, like Shaquille O'Neal at that size being able to move like that with his agility and um, his, his nimbleness with the basketball man because a lot of people just view Shaq as a, a big body that really couldn't move and that was him later later on in his career but yeah. if you look at like you said when he first came to the Lakers in those Orlando years I mean the dude was just a beast especially in the open court running the floor so um, very fitting for the Lakers to, to retire his jersey 
I don't know if he's gonna get a statue. Kareem just got a statue. <laughs> the one thing about that Laker, I mean, the jersey retirement, they actually put the name on the wrong side of the jersey. They put it on the front of the jersey. Uh -huh. So they have to redo that. So I, thought, <laughs> I thought I was the only one who noticed that when it was going on. I was like, why is Yeah, I didn't even notice yeah, that. Yeah, wow. Because I mean, you seen the, you know, the collar and stuff. Uh -huh. I was like, why is his name on the front of the jersey? So, you know, that's something that's got to be fixed. But like you said, I mean, I, as far as getting a statue made, you know, Magic has one right. out there. Chick Hearns has one. I mean, does he deserve one? Probably so. Right. Definitely in L.A. But, you know, where do you, where do you put it? Because, right. you know, Kobe's going to get one. Right. Kobe's definitely. Yeah. Does Will have a statue out there? Uh, I don't. I can't. I don't know. We, our Lakers fans got to let us know about that, man. We got to check that out. If we, I don't think Will has a statue. Yeah. But we know Magic Kareem and Chick Hearn has yeah. one. Kobe's going to get one. Yeah, definitely. Does Shaq get one? Ah. My thing with Kobe, like, what is this statue going to be? You got magic, <laughs> directing, you know, um, a fast break from uh -huh. what it looks like. What is Kobe? Do you have him? Kareem's doing the sky hook. Yeah. Kareem's doing the sky hook. Yeah, I think Kobe's got to be the favorite. Yeah, yeah. you got you to gotta have Kobe shooting. Because, I mean, that's really kind of his, his signature move, <laughs> or, you know, unless they want to do the, uh, you remember when he hit the game, when I forget who it was, it was a few years ago. It was against Phoenix. Like, yeah, it was against yeah. Phoenix, and he uh, ripped his jersey open and kind of like was showing his chest yeah. and everything. I think that was a good, you know, yeah. moment in time, but I don't know if they're going to put that up there. But yeah, it's got to we'll gotta have something. As far as, like, you were talking about, you know, just physicality and just the dominance, he's, you know, Dwight Howard, you know, career is kind of mirror Shaq as yeah. far as, you know, Orlando, then mm -hmm. going to Los Angeles, and Shaq has been openly critical at him yeah. any point in time that he's wanted. And, you know, he pretty much issued a challenge out to Dwight, you know, 28 and 10. I think, I believe, Dwight Howard's average, you know, about 18 and, you know, 15 uh -huh. over his career. What do you think Dwight Howard, need? I mean, he had injuries. I mean, when he was here in Chicago, right. he said he wasn't even 70% yet, and we seen him after the All-Star break, you know, the bounce is coming back. Right. As far as, you know, when you look at when Dwight, uh, when his career is over, where do you see him being ranked among, you know, the best big man? Because you got a long lineage of guys. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a tough question, man. And I'll answer it honestly. I don't, I don't think he'll be up there right now just with the mentality that he has. I think he, he needs to take a more serious approach to, to the game of basketball. And uh, that's, I mean, his personality is to be goofy, to, to crack jokes and laugh and all that stuff. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But still, at the same time, you got to know when to turn it on and turn it off. And that's the difference between Shaq and Dwight Howard. Shaq knew when to turn it on and turn it off. Yeah. And he could even turn it on during games. But when he turned it on, he'd be dominating, though. Exactly. That's, that's the difference between Shaq and Dwight Howard. So at this point right now, I can't see him being mentioned among the, amongst the, the, the Wilts or the Kareems and the Shaqs, all those guys. I just can't see it or the Bill Russells or anything like that. He could. He has the athleticism. He has the body. He has the strength. But the mentality just isn't there. He doesn't have that same mentality of those guys that I just mentioned. I mean, those guys were just heartless. Yeah. They would go. I mean, they would go after you on the court and really and really dominate you. So um, if he can try and change that mentality, and he has a player that he's playing with right now, Kobe Bryant, that you know has that mentality. If he can kind of take some of those pieces or some of that 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 those characteristics that Kobe brings to the court, that just heartless play. Then I think he could be one of one of mentioned as as one of the greats of, of all time, but I can't see it right now, man. What about you? Do you that, think you can see it? Um, a little bit. I think one of the greatest things that he doesn't realize to happen to him that he has Kobe as a teammate because mm -hmm. Kobe's probably going to retire at the end of next year, depending right. on what Dwight does uh, at the end of uh, 
you know, this season as far as free agency goes. Mm -hmm. But having just having Kobe as a teammate and, you know, being able to observe the way he goes about things because, you know, as Dwight's 26, 26, yeah. I believe, 27, you know, right now he's still at that point of his career where he thinks, you know, hey, I got 10 more years to be doing this, right. not realizing, you know, anything can happen. Mm -hmm. And now you're looking at a guy 34 years old and his mindset is on one singular focus uh -huh. and he's going at all costs you know to go out there doing it i mean this guy's playing on an ankle the size of a baseball yeah has a lot of other little nagging injuries over the years that he's played through and you know no knock against the white because he's played you know throughout injury right. throughout his entire career and came back way too early mm -hmm. this season from a back injury but watching this guy just the way he goes about business i think would be a big if dwight doesn't take anything from Kobe this season and possibly next season, it'll probably be the biggest disservice he can do himself uh, to his career because you spent all those years in Orlando with right. Patrick Ewan working out one-on-one -on -one with him. You can't see a semblance of Patrick Ewan yeah. in his game. I mean, he, I mean, it could be the offense in that late, but you don't see any of the, you know, turn up, Turn around, catch the ball in the post, turn around, face you right, up. Right. You know, the 15 foot, 15 uh, foot in game, you don't see the mid range aspect. But, I mean, you've got to take something away from Kobe. Right. You know, just as far as mindset, because there's nobody in the league that can guard the right, right. one on one. I mean, everybody says Kendrick Perkins, but, you know, Kendrick Perkins may be able to be a hindrance on him for, right. you know, being able to push him outside, but there's he's quicker, he's more explosive mm -hmm. than Kendrick Perkins is and any other center in the league, any right. other big. I mean, there should be no way this guy, Shaq issued the 28 and 10. Mm -hmm. There's no reason when you look at Dwight in terms of physical um, his, he has a long way to go as far as you know acclimating himself skill mm -hmm. you know the skill set into that but you know when you look at physically what he can do and what he can become mm -hmm. he could be averaging 28 and 18 yeah almost yeah. there's no way that he shouldn't be able to go out and get those numbers on a nightly basis and it's still you know a lot of maturity with Dwight I right. mean you know he still argues you know complains too much to the referees mm -hmm. and I understand he gets a lot of unfair calls, but right. you know that comes with being physically bigger right. and stronger yeah, right. than everybody. It just it just comes with the territory. You're gonna get hit. You're gonna get fouled harder. Right. You're you know you're gonna get you know bogus calls to where you might nudge a guy and he might go flying off right just yeah. simply because you know you're that big and right. better than everybody. So. A lot of it comes with maturity for him, and you know I hope he gets that part down because mm -hmm. that goes a long way into, you know, what Shaq talked about as far as dominating the game and right. dominating that position. Because you look at the league now, there aren't really, you know, Andrew Bynum. You know, you look at his situation, <laughs> there aren't too many centers in the league right. anymore. You know, right. his competition now is what Brooke Lopez. Um, I can't even say Al Horford because he's always been a power forward right. in my eyes. Joakim Noah, you look at who he's going up against, you know, there's no reason why anybody should be mentioned ahead of you right. or even on the same tier as you, right. you know, with the athleticism and, you know, just your freaking nature. Right. Nobody else should be mentioned near you. You look at LeBron just in terms of being physically better than everybody else and now, you know, the things he's added along the way. You really can't point to a weakness in LeBron game. Right. You can't even really put a guy, 
you know, you, you, you say Kobe out of respect, but if right. you're looking at terms of right now and you're not looking at the body of work, you can't put anybody near LeBron right. at all. Right. And it should be that way with Dwight. Man, we'll see what's going to happen. And I'm, I'm sure that Kobe has talked to Dwight numerous times over the yeah. season and just let him know that, man, you know, you have to be more aggressive, more dominant, more focused on the games and more serious about games because when Kobe retires, it's going to be Dwight Howard's team. Man. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of pressure on his shoulders, man. In L.A., it's not yeah. going to be Orlando. And I think he's found that out now. Yeah. Orlando is a lot different from L.A. <laughs> So when it gets to be his team, when Kobe goes, you know, he's going to have to really take on and, and that, that responsibility and really step up for that Lakers organization. And if he doesn't, I think Kobe will be in the back, you know, just like, you know, I told you so, man. <laughs> you know Kobe, you're right. We know Shaq, Shaq will be right there with him. <laughs> Probably doing a little double team on Dwight Howard, man, just trying to let him know that, man, we tried to tell you, man, but, you know, you weren't focused. But I, I, think, he'll, I think he'll turn it on. I think he's just waiting for his time. Uh, I think he, in his mindset now, he views himself as still a young guy that has a lot of basketball ahead. And once Kobe gets out of there, then it'll be his team and he can be, become more serious. But, again, you got to be careful what you wish for, man. And, yeah, and, definitely. You, know, you have to see what's, what's going to happen because you, with, with Kobe Bryant now and the way he's playing, uh, I don't think we're going to see the same Kobe next year because uh, with the injuries and the age and so many miles logged on those legs of playing basketball, it's just going to be a, a little uh, a decline there. Yeah. And you say you, you see him retiring after next year. I see him retiring after next year too, if not the, the year after that. He really only has uh, really one or two years left yeah. in the NBA, and people really don't understand that Kobe's been doing this thing for about 18 years. Yeah. But getting back to the white. He has to be able to to be more serious and, and really dominate. So we'll see. And the Lakers are still, I, I believe they're still in, in, in uh, the eighth spot yeah. for the Western Conference. And they'll be uh, going up against San Antonio. If the play, playoffs started today, they'll be going up against the Spurs. And the Spurs actually lost terribly last night uh, against the OKC in Oklahoma City. So uh, the playoffs are right around the corner, man. Uh, the East is is it, it can change every yeah. day with the Eastern Conference playoff standing. So <laughs> the Bulls beat Brooklyn last night. They won that 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 uh, the season series against the Nets four to three, and that game was in Brooklyn. Big big win for the Bulls. So right now the Bulls are in the fifth spot. Brooklyn's in the fourth spot, and you have uh, a team at the sixth spot um, who's right right behind the Bulls, the Atlanta Hawks. So yeah. that thing can flip flop. Only one game separates those guys. Uh, but what are your thoughts on, on the Eastern Conference playoffs and how that thing is going to going to unfold? Because everyone wants to look at the West because that's where all the matchups that are, are at. But with the East, what are, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, my thing, closer. yeah, one thing with the East, of course, Miami's the clear favorite. They're right. the team that separated themselves from everybody in the Eastern Conference, and then you got you know New York and Indiana battling for right. that uh, second spot. I mean. You know, if you're Chicago, I think you want to avoid playing. The fifth spot is definitely where you want to be. Right. You know, because you want to avoid playing Miami, you know, that uh, in the second round. Mm -hmm. You know, and you want to at least let them, you know, get beat up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know, until they get to the Eastern Conference. Because I still do feel, you know, if Derek comes back and he's anything close. I mean, we're getting to the... You know, it's nine games left, nine, eight games yeah. left. And, you know, whenever he does come back, if he does come back this season, there's still going to be that period of he has to shake rust off mm -hmm. and he has a short amount of time to do that right. before the playoffs. So, I mean, where, however the situation unfolds, it's going to have a huge impact on the Bulls going forward. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not ready to write the write the Bulls off. I mean, you just saw last night. I mean, you're down Joe Kim Noah, Marco Bellinelli, Richard Hamilton, Derrick Rose, and Taj Gibson. Right. 
and you know it looks like they're going to get blown out of the water right. and then you know all of a sudden defense execution no turnover all the all of uh coach tom Thibodeau's talking uh -huh. points you just see that and you just see them elevate their play you see them turning into a half court game mm -hmm. and just really stifle what brooklyn was able to do in the first quarter so i do think they're not going to be a one-and-done situation. Mm -hmm. It's a team that has too much pride. I think last year you can look at that and you can put an asterisk next to it because this team was just so running to the ground, you know, yeah. of just yeah. trying to get it. It was a shortened season. You're trying to get a good um, good playoff seeding. You know, they got the number one spot in the East. Then you got Derek's injury in the yeah. first game. That took a toll on him. And then you lose Joakim in the third game. That right. takes another toll on him. So now you have to play even harder against a very good defensive uh, Philadelphia right. team last season. But I think how the East shakes out, I mean, you you obviously, you know, Philly's out. You got Miami in the, uh, I mean, Milwaukee in the AC. They could still, you know, move up, right. you know, with Boston. They could flip-flop there. I don't think Miami wants to play Boston, no. you know, in the first <laughs> round. Just because Boston always gets up for them and Boston still gives them issues. I mean, it's going to be tough without Rajon Rondo, mm -hmm. you know, there. But, I mean, I think Boston still could be a little bit of hindrance for Miami. But Miami's just too good when you look at what they've been able to do this mm -hmm. season. 50, 27 of the 58 wins came consecutively. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's right insane, there. Man. Just that's amazing. Insane. I mean, LeBron... We, there was before the season there was this huge debate, you know, LeBron, KD, Melo, you know, for MVP yeah. and now you look at it, you really can't put another guy <laughs> near that anymore unless somebody just goes, you know, bananas these last two, three weeks. But, you know, Miami I think Indiana might be able to do something, but it hurts, you know, not having Granger right. that was a big goal the for them. Yeah, so but I still think you know, just their physicality, how physical they are, mm -hmm. you know, all five positions. And yeah. then you're bringing up guys off the bench who are also physical. They could be a deterrent to Miami. But, you know, as far as the East shakes out, I still see Miami coming out the East. As far as the West, I still would. It depends on how hurt Tony Parker really is. I mean, you know, they said, I forgot, tendonitis in his shin yeah. uh, yesterday, which doesn't sound right. I mean, it kind of sounds like a stress stress fracture almost because you normally have never heard of somebody getting tendonitis in a shin. Yeah, made up injury. Of yeah, it's you, kind of you, high. you normally get tendonitis in, you know, joints. So, I mean, hopefully that injury is not too serious because right. they're already without Mano Ginobili, right. who's out with a hamstring injury. And, you know, I just think the Spurs are – a little bit, you know, you don't want to say they're old because, you know, they rebuilt themselves, they mm -hmm. rebuilt the system, but I still think, you know, it's a year or two too late for them, you know, especially with who they got to run up with um, in the West. You still got to get past Memphis, mm -hmm. you know, Oklahoma City now. Um, I, I don't see Los Angeles Clippers doing, you know, anything that could get past the first round, but with this stuff going on now with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, you know, a little bit of uh, internal squad kind of turning on Chris Paul right now. Yeah, right? exactly. So, you know, stuff like that, especially at this part of the season, yeah. you know, it's not good for any team. You know, especially when you talk about, you know, where they started off the season, having one of the deepest teams, you know, in the league, and now you got these issues coming out this part of the season. It would have been okay at the right. beginning or even the middle of the season, but not going into the playoffs. So I still think the Thunder are the favorites to come out of the West again, and we will get that rematch between Miami 
in uh, Oklahoma City again. One thing I do want to touch on, I want to touch on Carmelo Anthony. Oh, man. You know, man. just his last two games, which were ridiculous. I saw, sat and watched the Miami game, man. The one thing that amazed me was it was almost like a little bit comparable to the Kobe game, the 81-point game against yeah. Toronto because these points were off jumpers. Yeah. I mean, those 50 points, what was that, last Thursday against uh, Miami, all of them were, none of them were in the paint. I mean, and this guy shot, what, uh, let me see if I have it here, 18 for 26. That's unbelievable. 7 for 10 from three-pointer, and, you know, tied his career high of 50, which he's hit five times but then to follow that up the following night it was Tuesday last Tuesday but then to follow that up Wednesday uh-huh. with 40, 40. Unbelievable. in Atlanta 7-27 you know 1-2 3-point and you know 64 of those 90 combined points were outside you know 15 feet mm-hmm. you know just ridiculous I mean and you know he's right there when you talk about the scoring title I think right Kevin Durant has won in the last three years. He's right there with KD right now. KD's 28.3, Melo's 28.1, and KD's just come out and said, hey, you know, this guy can have the scoring title. Yeah. You know, I'm on, I'm on bigger and better, better things, things. Yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. But, you know, Carmelo's just been on a tear. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, like, I like what he's doing, too, because not only is he he's going after the scoring title, like you mentioned, but he's also getting ready for the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, it's right around the corner, so he's kind of really trying to step his game up to show everybody, say, hey, all right, it's starting to get closer to the postseason. We know what happened last year. We made the playoffs. Knicks made the playoffs for the first time in a long time, yeah. but then Miami just ran through him. Mm-hmm. And so he wants his teammates to know that, hey, we have to be focused. We have to come and play our best basketball during the postseason, and he's really getting himself into that mode and if you look at that shot chart against Miami man just the the rate of shots that he knocked down I, I, I saw it on Twitter man it's just unbelievable just how someone can knock down yeah. shots at that rate I mean yeah they're professional basketball players all they do is play basketball yeah that's true their job is to stay in shape and work on their games but when you have a guy like that having a great night a shooting night like that it's so difficult to knock down shots like that when you're being doubled or hand checked or pushed and, and Carmelo didn't get anything easy that night it made exactly. it look easy yeah. because he was knocking down shots of and, course and people would take away from it because you know LeBron set out D-Wade set yeah. out Mario Chalmers set out these are NBA ball players right. he's going against. I think that have pride too. Yeah, yeah, you know he started off. I think Haslam saw time on him. Chris Bosh saw time on him, uh-huh. and then Battier, who's a very good defensive player, you know, got the tail end of that. <laughs> I mean, and then even he hit the the last bucket to give him fifty. You know, Battier hit him on the forearm <laughs> on the shot, and he still got it to go in. So I mean, you can't really take away anything from anybody at this level. You can mm-hmm. always. Look at a case. I always hear it all the time. Oh, he wouldn't have done that if so and so was playing. Yeah, these are guys with a lot of pride. You don't right. want nobody to come in, especially into your home arena, getting uh-huh. just torturing you for right. Yeah, yeah, like that. I mean, in Atlanta, it's a different thing because there were more Nick fans than there were Hawk fans. Right. You know, so I'm pretty sure he was comfortable uh-huh. there. But you know, 50 at any level with any level of pro competition is still difficult to right, do, exactly. especially if you're going to go all jumpers like he did. Uh, nah, alright, that'll do it for us today, man. Uh, NBA playoffs are right around the corner, yeah. man. It just seems like we're slowly getting there. Can't come fast enough, so again, you can hit us on Twitter. Hit Chris at C4Dunk. You can hit me at Cameron Smith on Twitter. Thoughts, questions, anything you guys want to talk about, we love to hear and discuss. Definitely.